Hi, this is episode 42 of The Game Pit. My name's Sean, and this is new ground for us. This is a new episode type called The Battle Report, and this is where we feature one particular game, and this time out, it's Virgin Queen. Hey, it's Ronan here, and we have been discussing Virgin Queen on Twitter. We mentioned it last episode. It's a game by Ed Beach and published by GMT. It was released in 2012, and it's a successor to an earlier game, Here I Stand. And it's recreating Europe, the political and religious struggles, during the 16th century. Me, myself and Ronan both have a copy of this because uh, for the second year running, I managed to get two copies of a game for Christmas. I think it's the third year running. Is it actually? the third year running? They all fade into one for me now. <laughs> I'm so used to it. I got dual copies of a game and this one happened to be a Virgin Queen, which Ronan was quite interested in. So I think he traded me Twilight Struggle, was it Ronan? Traded you makes me sound a bit mercenary. I had bought you Twilight Twilight Struggle. Struggle. (laughs) I then saw The Witcher was out, and I knew that you were like that. So I bought you The Witcher as well, and then we uh, did some sort of cousinly Christmassy goodness. And we both ended up with a copy, so we thought we'd probably better get it played at some stage in the future. Since Christmas, we set ourselves a deadline to get the game played. We've managed to do it within a couple of months. We roped in four of our friends. That's Puria, Lloyd, Paul, and a newcomer to the game pit, Rachel. You're going to be hearing from them shortly. And we sat down and we played the game. Now, the structure of this episode is going to be slightly different. What you're going to hear next is I'm going to be giving you a very brief rules explanation. There are 44 pages in just one of the rule books of this one, so it's quite the beast. So I'll be going to have a quick rules explanation. Then you're going to hear from all the players explaining who they're going to play. And then, Sean, what did we actually do on the day while we were playing Virgin Queen? Well, Ronan, we set up a microphone in a separate room where players could disappear and talk about how the game was generally going, what their plans were. All of this in complete secrecy so that other players couldn't work out what their plans would be. And it was really interesting to listen back and listen to how each round was perceived by each of the players, Ronan. Yep, and then at the end of the game, we've got everyone together. You'll be hearing from them before the game, during the game and after the game. It's a new format. We hope you're going to enjoy it. And certainly we will look forward to any feedback you have for us, whether you think this is a good idea, bad idea, you enjoyed the episode. Whatever you think, you can get us on the usual places. And they are, Sean... We can be found on the Dice Tower Network, Ronan, which we are proud members of, along with a whole host of gaming podcast goodness. We're also on 2d6.org, where you can find written audio and visual content of the highest calibre, all about gaming. We'll say it again at the end of the show, but you can see us on Twitter, at GamePit Podcast. We're on Facebook. Come along to our Facebook page. We're on Board Game Geek. We have a little guild there. And if you want to email us, we are thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com. So I'm going to give you an overview of the game. There's no chance I'm going to be able to go into all the rules of Virgin Queen. Hopefully if they come up later on while we're discussing how we played or what we played afterwards, we will be able to explain specifics as we go, but I'm going to give you a general overall view of it. 
It is a game based in the European struggles in the 16th century, when Philip was King of Spain and Elizabeth was Queen of England. And those two start off as closely allied, they were brother and sister-in-law in fact, and by the end of the period of time covered by the game, they were fierce rivals and enemies. We are each going to take on the role of one of the European powers and we're going to be trying various things to score points. We're going to have the Ottoman Empire, Spain, France, England, the Holy Roman Empire and the Protestant, the growing force of the Protestants within Europe. And they will be represented by the Dutch Protestants and the Huguenots who are played by one player who happens to be me. The game can be won in various ways. Each power has their own amount of key spaces on the map they need to conquer to get an instant victory, and we'll talk about key spaces in a second. Also, at the end of any turn, from turn 4 onwards, if any player is 5 or more points ahead of everyone else, they'll win. If at the end of a turn any player has 25 points or more, they will win. And there's also, if we get to a turn limit, now there's a limit of 7 turns overall in the game. However, because this is our first game and we know it might run quite long, we're going to call it at after seven hours of play. And whoever is in the lead at that point, we're going to call the winner just for our particular learning game. There are also a couple of other ways players can win, such as if Spain manages to pull off a gunpowder plot in England and cause a Catholic rebellion. But again, those are exceptions to the general rule. The game is played on a big board, which is a map. It shows mostly Europe and separately a couple of other areas which represent the rest of the world for abstracted actions and ways of scoring points which can happen there. We focus on the European map for the start. It shows lots of land spaces and sea areas. Now sea areas are split between the Atlantic and the Mediterranean and the general areas in which you can be able to do naval actions which we'll come to. In the land you have three different types of spaces. There are general spaces which are represented by circles. There are then fortified spaces which are spaces which are more difficult to conquer and strategically important but won't score you any points and they're represented by stars on the board and lastly there are key spaces and those are very important now key spaces the more you control in the game the more cards you'll get and this is a card driven game on everyone's turn they're going to be playing a card and again we'll come to that and also they score you points and as I said earlier if you get to a certain number of keys you will instantly win the game now the number of keys you need depends upon which power you are for example England need far fewer than Spain because England historically has had geographically less of a country that we could actually call England itself especially at that time these spaces are all connected by different routes there are either simple routes or passes nothing too complicated there on the board also four areas are represented with colours behind them those are the Netherlands, France, England and Scotland those are the areas in which religion can be contested out on the world map you have areas with settlements in from Spain and Portugal and they represent the areas which have already been colonised by those two powers in the game you'll notice that I didn't say Portugal when I was listing the player powers earlier that's because there are five minor powers in the game which we can interact with those being Scotland, Portugal, the Papacy, Venice and Ireland out on the world map players are able to send expeditions and do some actions and we'll get to those when we run through the actions themselves on each turn of the game each player is going to take a chance to take an action and as I say they're going to play cards from their hand the cards come from a deck of cards which are common to all each player gets to have one or two home cards which are just unique to their power which they're able to retain and play each turn and the rest of them come from a random draw and what I'm going to do is go through a quickly how a whole entire turn of the game is played and that should give you a good idea of what we're talking about in a minute now the first thing is 
that deck of cards I was talking about, that does not remain static. New cards come into it all the time, and part of the whole ethos of this game is to tell the story of what happened historically in Europe in the 16th century. And that includes the first thing you do each turn, and that is you add new people to the game. Now, those people might be famous figures from history who are available for marriage between the different powers. They might be army leaders who can be able to lead your troops on the board. They might be naval leaders who can help you with naval actions, or possibly sea captains who can sail off into the new world and do actions for you. We're then going to add new cards to the deck each turn because there are new historical, either technological breakthroughs possibly, or events, or changes in the religious situation in Europe. So each turn the deck is going to be slightly different and you're not going to play all the cards anyway. It's over 100 cards in that deck and you're going to be pulling maybe 30, 40, something like that per round. Also then, Portugal and Spain get a chance to take treasure from those settlements in the New World and that's very important as well as the cards you play each turn. If you're able to get hold of treasure, they add to the actions you can take during a turn. And when I describe the actions, it will make more sense, but they give you command points. Command points are the currency of your actions in the game. You must spend the command points in order to do actions. Treasures allow you to extend your turn by doing further actions. Now, only Spain and Portugal, by default, will get these treasures, so whoever controls Portugal and the Spanish player. However, there are chances for other players to take those treasures from Spain, or even be given them. Now, how might they be given them? Well, the next phase of the game is the diplomacy phase. This lasts for 10 minutes per turn. That's a long time, and that's because it's an important part of the game. This is where players will be trying to negotiate marriage. They will be trying to make pieces if they're at war. They'll be trying to forge alliances to be able to use each other's areas on the map to get to other areas. They can loan each other ships. If they have captured an army leader, they can ransom the army leader back and get something in return for this. You can actually yield spaces you've taken back to the home power of that space. Now, we're talking about home powers. I'm talking about all these spaces on the board. Some of them are linked to a particular power, and they are of the color of that power. And that's called a home space. That's where you're able to build troops, and it's the only spaces that can be yielded back to someone if they originally had them. You're able to give cards to each other randomly from your hand. You're able to show each other the cards and offer to play them in certain ways or not in certain ways and say, I have this, this will be bad for you. If I did this, this wouldn't go so well. Or I have this, this will be good for you. If you give me such and such, I will play this in that way. Anything that doesn't change the game state during this negotiation phase is non-binding and that's very much part of the diplomacy. If you don't do what you said you were going to do, that might come back to bite you later on in the game. You can actually give each other mercenaries. Well, the Holy Roman Empire can anyway. It's one of their bargaining tools. They can raise mercenaries. I guess it's like traditionally the Hessians, the German powers. And very importantly, you can agree to these marriages I've been talking about. Marriages will usually take place between two powers. And it gives you a chance later on in the turn to roll a couple of dice and see whether you've scored some points out of forging this alliance and making your royal family stronger. Now, it's the first time I've mentioned rolling dice. There are dice in the game. And they are used to resolve a lot of the different situations. And as we go through, you hear me saying, you do a roll to resolve that, you do a roll to resolve that. As much as you are planning, and it's very strategic, and you're playing cards out of your hand, and you're trying to work strategy, you must accept that the roll of the dice is part of the game, and you're going to have to be able to roll with the ebbs and flows of fortune. Now, going around in impulse order, that's the turn order, and it starts with the Ottomans and goes via Spain, France, England, Holy Roman Empire, Protestants. You then announce any deals you've done in this negotiation phase the previous 10 minutes. If those deals are agreed by the other power involved in it, then those will take place immediately. Then you have a chance to declare wars. You can declare wars on each other or on those minor powers in the game in order to try and take control of their areas. 
you cannot attack anyone unless you have declared war during this phase of the turn so it's the only way you can be able to enter into anyone else's areas unless you've become allied with them and you can pass through peacefully or there are one or two cards which allow you to trigger wars during the actual action phase of the game but generally if you don't declare war now the people know that they are safe from attack from you but not from piracy from the ottomans one of their special powers next thing is we do spring deployment and that basically just allows everyone to move one formation of troops from their capital to somewhere else within the spaces they control which allows you to set up for any military moves you're going to take during this turn gives people a heads up lets you make one swift movement because actually moving troops around the board is not as easy as you might think in something that's termed as a war game there's a lot more than just war going on there then we get to the real meat of the game this is the action phase now again an impulse order each player is going to play a card now the card can be played generally in one of two ways all cards have events on them and you can play the card for the event and they are all unique and they will describe what action or what effect it has on the game generally they're going to be something you can do along the lines of the actions I'm about to describe they might be slightly more beneficial when you take that action or do them in certain ways or they might be for a certain power to take a certain action and that's where diplomacy comes in if I have a card that allows for example France to take lots of beneficial actions I will need to discuss with them whether I'm going to play it as that event because the other way you can play a card is as command points to take the following actions you can build troops and or ships on the board they will come up in your home spaces now building ships some of your, the spaces on the board are ports and they are linked to one or two of the European sea zones and in those ports you can build ships which you can sell out to the sea zones and you can have naval battles with them or they can protect you or take part in piracy which we'll come on to in a minute you can obviously move your chits around the board if you're moving troops you choose particular formations of troops which are limited in size either if they don't have an army leader or if they do have an army leader which is a particular type of unit you will get during the game then you can have larger formations moving around the army leader also helps you in battle or if you want to move your naval units you can move all your naval units at once this move can cause battles if you move into an open space that's not fortified that has someone else in there they can attempt to run away or they can stand and fight you if you move into a fortified space they can stand and fight you or they can move into fortifications if their army is small enough same thing out at sea if you move into a sea zone with someone else's naval ships there they can stand and fight you or they can move away the next action is actually assault is where you can make an attack against a fortified space whether it has troops in it or not you must take an extra action to take any fortified space now in both cases however combat happens it's going to be a roll of dice from either side generally fives and sixes hit there are lots of modifiers and different ways of doing it it's much easier as the attacker if you're in an open space if you're attacking fortifications it's more difficult different ship types have different modifiers in different areas of the board generally you get the idea that you're putting troops against each other rolling some dice and seeing who wins and the loser if they have any troops left is going to have to be able to retreat somewhere the spaces on the board some of them start off in your home color now that means you have control of them you have line of command through them so you can take actions further and beyond away from your fortified spaces so you can command your troops when they're away from you you can take control of spaces now if it's an empty space you just take the action to take political control and you have a chit that you put down and you say okay this is now I'm in control of it. If you assault a fortified space and you do so successfully you take political control of that space as well so you say this is my space. If you manage to do that to a key space you put one of your key space markers in there and as I said earlier that's going to score you more points and gain you more cards. So you can spread your influence throughout the board. Very important there are religious actions you can take. 
those control markers as well as showing who's in control of a space shows what religion they are they can either be catholic or protestant face up and depending upon the power you are in the four religiously contested areas i mentioned earlier you can take actions to switch them between catholic and protestant legion very important for the protestant power but also spain france england they were all able to influence the religious proclivity of each space in the game and in fact one of the instant win conditions is if the protestants or the catholics get enough spaces to be protestant or catholics so religious actions are very important you can also build fortresses to help you protect areas on the board or in the new world of your Spain to protect yourself from piracy. You can build expeditions with your sea captains. Your sea captains will be able to go out into world spaces. They'll be able to take colonies with them to found colonies, which will give you a chance to get treasures and points. Your sea captains will be able to go out into the world map and do piracy against Portugal and Spain and take some of those treasures from them because however many treasures they're left with at the end of the round they're going to be able to take and use next round which could be a big advantage or you can send your expeditions around the world and attempt to score points for circumnavigating the globe there's piracy you can take part in i mentioned it a couple of times you can do it on the european map and target ports around sea spaces it's going to allow you to take cards or damage naval units or take treasures from another power or possibly score victory points or you can commit piracy on the world map again again against spain and portugal in order to take treasures or possibly victory points from them these people that I mentioned coming into the game right at the beginning there, each turn, there are also artists and scientists in the game and they become available and you can take actions with your command points to patronise artists or scientists and you can get benefit from those depending upon a dice roll at the end of the round. You can diplomatically influence the minor powers in the game by spending command points and again if a certain events come up you do a roll of dice against anyone else who can diplomatically influence them and you might be able to make them an ally of yours and therefore take control of their spaces, use their troops and it can be of benefit. And the last thing you can do, and only from turn 3 onwards, is you can do espionage actions. You can gain intelligence from people, look at cards in their hand, take cards and what have you. You can plant operatives to make your espionage more effective. And finally, you can assassinate their war leaders or possibly Queen Elizabeth herself, which would be a serious blow for England if that happened. There are a couple of different types of cards. Normal cards have just got events or command points which you choose. Mandatory cards have got an event which must happen. You must play that card in your hand. You are not allowed to keep it until the next round. You also get two command points to spend. It can be good or bad having those in your hand. There are response cards you can play during certain actions. There are combat cards which will help you during combat. And as I said, everyone has their own home cards with various different things. Once everyone has passed in sequence, then we move on from the action phase and that is where the bulk of the game is going to take place and the bulk of the time is going to be by the way and then various different things happen during the winter phase you, you can only keep a certain number of cards you can't have passed unless you're down to that number of cards you have you must discard treasures you haven't used now treasures you can add on to the end of your turn to take extra actions in different types of the actions you've taken already then all your units and army leaders must return back to fortified spaces so if you've moved into a fortified space you've laid it under siege you haven't been able to conquer it your army is going to have to retreat at this stage you cannot keep rolling onwards and onwards alliances between powers only last one turn they're all going to cancel now and then spain and portugal are going to get their treasures to hand lots of things are going to reset on the board as you'd expect Anyone who's arranged a marriage in the previous negotiation phase now gets to roll and see how successful that marriage is and hopefully gain some benefit for them. Anyone who patronise artists and scientists will now roll, see if they score any victory points. Or in the case of scientists, you can get technological breakthroughs which will help you somehow in the game, give you some sort of bonus. And then we check everyone's victory points, see if anyone has got to that 25 points or over, or has got the domination victory with 5 victory points or more. There are also a couple of extra ones which are awarded, for example, whoever's controlling Paris is going to score some points. Holy Roman Empire is going to control some spaces in the centre of Europe, they hope, and score some points. 
If there's no winner, we advance onwards, we go to the next turn and we continue. I hope that's given you an overview. I know I've gone through very quickly and already that's taken a while. As we discuss the game coming up, hopefully you'll get a bit more of a grasp of what we're doing, how we're using those rules, how we're playing and what we're trying to do. And coming up next is an introduction from all the players who are playing Virgin Queen with us today. So we've given you a brief introduction to the game of Virgin Queen, and now we're going to introduce you to the people who are playing the game, starting with Sean. Hi, yeah, it's Sean here. I am playing as the Ottomans. I don't seem to be able to do a whole heap in the game, so most of it I'll be watching, but my general tactic is attack, attack, attack. Lloyd here, I'll be playing as Spain. I am trying to recover from our two-hour rules explanation, at which point I shall be spreading <laughs> peace across Europe. <laughs> Pori here, playing England, and I will be looking to faithfully recreate the movie. Paul here, I am the French, and I am going to initially make friends with Lloyd, but then backstab him horribly and, and team up with Ray. That was Lloyd <laughs> backstabbing Paul. That was also our first hint of terrible accent, did you? <laughs> I am the French. <laughs> there will be more of that later. Where's the ultimate accent? No pressure. <laughs> no, we're going to try it. You're asking Sean to perform in front of a crowd. That's not going to work out. <laughs> okay. I'm Rachel. I'm playing the Holy Roman Empire. I've spread diplomacy. I have, you know, mercenaries for hire and lots of marriages. It's all good, people. All good. For if you not throw dice around while we're recording, that would be good. <laughs> Minus one point. Hey, it's me, it's Ronan. I'm the Protestants. I start off the map. I have no bearing on this at all. And I intend to maintain that peace with all and work in harmony to spread the one true faith. And never before has Rona's mother been more disappointed. <laughs> no one's allowed to tell her. <laughs> oh, no. I'll be forwarding it to her. <laughs> so you're going to be hearing from everyone throughout the game. We'll give you updates. Sean and I will try and give some context to it. And hopefully at the end, we'll all come together when we have a winner and we'll discuss how it's gone. Hopefully it'll go better than the rules explanation did. <laughs> So, I've got my first deck of cards, and I have to play out a mandatory card for Spain for their treasure fleet. So, my first turn is basically going to be building up my troops in anticipation of taking the treasure out when it appears. So, I'm just trying to keep my peace with the French and anyone else, and just concentrate on my navy first round. Cheers, bye. Hey, it's Ronan here, and I'm playing as the Protestants. Now, it's been a bit of a dodgy start. I didn't really follow the rules. I didn't use my own pirate captain heading out into the new world. He would have got a free colony for me and I was too busy concentrating on full on on France because we have shared captains and either of us can take them and I thought I'd get in because he took the first one so I took the second one and then I've only got one colony I can use in the game so I wasted that special bonus on my own home captain going out. So that was a bit of a silly start but the next thing I did was I conducted piracy against Spain. I believe Spain make a strong start in the game is what I've heard from the strategy guides around the place. So I did a piracy attempt against Lloyd, I managed to get one success, I took a card from him and it turned out to be a fantastic card, it lets me do 8 conversion attempts in France and directly attack Fulon. Now Fulon and I had an agreement in the negotiation phase that I wasn't going to do too bad to him and he was going to play a card to my advantage and I was going to play a taxis couriers card as in the turn taxis game and hand a good card to him so we had kind of a, a pax amongst us but now Lloyd has given me a fantastic attack card against France so I 
I'm afraid Fulham might be slightly disappointed in me before this first turn is over. Let's see how that goes. It's been very funny already. Hi, it's Paul from France. I don't really know what I'm doing at the moment. I've got to kind of keep the Protestants in Spain at each other's throats. So I'm trying to do that. I'm kind of pretending to make friends with both of them and haven't really decided what I'm actually going to do. Meanwhile, I'm nicely colonising the new world in the hopes that I can get some sort of cheap points from that. But uh, anyway, I'll keep you posted. It's all very scary. I'm in the middle of the map. I feel like everyone's a potential threat. But yeah, so far so good, I think. So this is Sean here. I've just had my third go as the Ottomans. And I've mainly been pirating. Pirating Lloyd as the Spanish in, in Maine. I don't think he's too impressed. But he's so far managed to keep hold of all of these treasures, which was what I was trying to get. It is looking good for my sea captain. He has managed to navigate his way past the first barrier. And he's now on his way around the world. So hopefully I can get him round and get some points for that one. But yeah, so far there's not been a lot of battles. only me and Lloyd that are doing battles. So uh, it's a very peaceful map so far. But I'm sure that will change. Poria here, playing England. And I've completely misunderstood the rules. <laughs> the Armada came out in the New World. And not in Europe where I built my Armada. So I've basically ruined and wasted one turn. I've kind of tried to make things up by building up my influence with some neutral powers, including Portugal and the Scottish area. See how that works. So this is Lloyd from Spain. I have spent the first time mostly losing cards through pirate actions. Uh, so I have taken fully three turns this round. What has happened mostly then is I've given people cards that have allowed the Protestants mostly to take conversion actions across France, meaning that Fulham has been decimated in an abstract way that I don't really understand. That is my turn one update. Hello, it's Rachel here from the Holy Roman Empire. Just been royally screwed over. Was playing circumnavigate the globe. I got all the way around without any navigation, extra things or anything else. And got completely screwed in the very last bit. Really gutted. Apart from that, everything's building on diplomacy and keeping things going. And that is it. Hi, it's Paul, France. I have circumnavigated the globe. That's it. That's my own personal victory condition for the game. So now I'm in for another probably seven hours of sitting there not really caring what's going on. Hey, it's Ronan here as the Protestants. We've just finished the diplomacy phase of turn two. Now, turn one has gone very well for Fulon as France. He's been around the world. He's made some good marriages. He's just now married Mary, Queen of Scots, who is actually a French royal in this, to one of his own leaders. So he's got a bonus out of that. He's just made allies with Spain, who are the power who are currently leading victory points, and French are second. This is bad news for all of us. Also, Rachel, as the Holy Roman Empire, has declared war on Sean as the Ottomans. She has got mercenary, she's got some power, she's building up in the first turn. But Sean actually has the army leader who can control the most units at once. And they have just spring deployed, that's moved their armies during springtime, right on each other's border. So there's going to be some interesting fights there. I have somehow managed to get through to the second turn with still no areas under my control. I have managed to get a few Protestant markers out there. I think we're up to the high 20s. So I've probably taken 10 spaces as Protestant religious influence, but that doesn't mean I politically control them. So they're not scoring me points and they're not getting me cards. I now I'm going to have to start, I think, a rebellion this turn. 
probably in France. I'll, I'll think about where I'm going to do it. And I'm going to look to cause some trouble between Spain and the Ottomans. I've got a card that allows the Ottomans to place a unit in the south of Spain, Morisco, that spreads unrest and trouble for Spain. So hopefully they're going to distract each other. England probably hasn't been doing too much yet so far. I think he'll still get his head around it. I think one thing that's happened is Spain took all the treasures that they're allowed at the end of turn one and with so many extra command points people realise he, Lloyd, is now going to be very powerful this turn and that world map piracy has become more important so I'm looking forward to that to take more of a role. I did a couple of them in the first turn and didn't go that well. It's not actually that easy to do successfully but if you can do it and take the treasures it helps you out. So I think I'm going to try and do some more piracy. I patronised a scientist in the first turn, it didn't go very well. Puri got a point out of doing that, he patronised someone. Other than that, I'm a bit puzzled to be honest with you. I think I need to like, get myself back on the map and get more involved in the game rather than I was kind of tooling around the edge. I built a colony, I did some bits and bobs on the periphery in the first turn, but this turn I need to make an impact. Puri here is England. I am not quite sure what to do this round. We have both France and Spain allied, both with the most victory points at the moment, so I'm a little worried about what plans they have in stock. I'm trying to bide my time a little bit. Patronage is my first move. I think I might have to build up my naval defences and do a bit of pirating and see where that gets me. This is Lloyd's second turn a Spanish player update. Uh, so Sean has continued his war against me and has also opened a second front up against the Holy Roman Empire. The reasons for this involve the fact that Ronan has a card that's really useful for Sean. What he doesn't know is that I have a card that's probably really useful for Rachel, which will start a land war in Persia, meaning that uh, Sean will have to remove potentially up to eight of his land units from the board, which represents approximately 50% of his army. So I'm hoping that I get the chance to play that just before Ronan plays the card to support him. In addition, I have put Algiers under siege, and with my Spanish Fury event card, I'm hoping to blindly draw the card from Sean's hand that will benefit Ronan and cause me issues in the Netherlands. I suspect all of this will go horribly wrong, but that is the plan. So it's uh, Sean here again, and it is going terribly for the Ottomans. I have been completely decimated at sea by Lloyd at the Holy Roman Empire have decided to go to war with me so I'm being attacked from two fronts and yeah it's not looking great I'm kind of being penned in I haven't really got a lot of options my dice rolling sucks as always and uh, unless something changes unless I can do some deals in the next round I am in a lot of trouble quick update here from Spanish Lloyd the initial part of my plan has gone well. I have drawn the card from Sean that he needed to assist Ronan, so I've kept the Protestants to a minimum. I have, however, forgotten the other stages of my plan. I literally cannot recall what I was intending to do. But the bits I can remember have gone well. Hi, it's Paul, uh, France. Sean's frustrated at not being able to do anything. Lloyd seems to be doing quite well. I'm allied with him at the moment, but if, if he does too well, I'm going to have to give that up and, uh, and start trying to pick him back. I've kind of lost my way. No one's really interested in me, it seems, at the moment, although Ronan is amassing troops at my border, so I'm sure that's about to change. I've pinned all my hopes for points this turn on the science and, and arts patronage stuff, so um, we'll see how it comes off. It's just a sort of random luck in the dice roll, so we'll see what happens. I think I need to start building up armies, so that's my, my next plan. This is Rachel. I am playing um, Royal Roman Empire. I had an agreement with Lloyd, as in Spain, that he would mess up the, uh, the Ottoman Empire, but he did not play the card. 
Um, so since he hadn't played the card by the end of my goes, I decided that he probably wasn't going to play it and there was no guarantees he would play it. And because he'd held it back, I was unable to do anything that go with regards to the Ottoman Empire that was on my doorstep. So I therefore played the card that killed his leader. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Hey, it's Ronan here against the Protestants, and we're currently wrapping up turn two. We're just sorting out the artists and the scientists that people have patronised. I took over a couple of spaces in the Netherlands, and finally I'm on the board. And it turns out I'm getting three victory points for each key that I take, and it's a very strange situation in that I haven't gone into France at all yet. I've based myself completely in the Netherlands. I'm going to annoy Lloyd while he's currently winning. I think full-on is the most likely to win because I think people are going to look at Lloyd, see who's winning, and then turn around and start picking on full-on. So I'm going to hold tight on the Huguenots. I, I miss out on a few things. I don't get an extra unit having two capitals and things like that. But I think I'm going to try and get Puria to support me to attack in France later on in the game if we get that far. And taking keys, they give me a lot of points. If I can take the three in the Netherlands and have them not worry so much about me, and then strike into France and take two or three in there, I think I'll be pretty close to a victory point victory. Well, that's my thoughts anyway. Let's see how it goes, and we're going to have a summary from the whole table next. Hey, you're back around the table at the end of turn two. Lots of things have happened. The points have gone up and down. We've got a new leader in Paul with France, who is sciencing and marriaging, we'll say politely, his way to victory. Lloyd is still hanging in the second place. Myself as the Protestants and England of Puria third, joint with 11 points. Right behind us is Sean on 10 points of the Ottomans and the Holy Roman Empire are obviously playing the long game and they have eight victory points. I think everyone thinks that they've been doomed since the start. I think we're all playing a long game, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> We've been going a few hours already and we're only two turns in. Sean, how's the game going? For me, I'm not sucking so my will to live. I don't think I've really done the negotiation side of the game very well. I've kind of just isolated myself in the corner and on a wall with the two people next to me. So it's not going so well. I maybe have to change tactics in this next round. Are you sure you should be used to being not popular? <laughs> well, it's, it's when uh, when Sean says he's not quite getting it at the hang of the negotiation, in the two turns we played at the start of both those turns, I had offered him peace. And he has rejected it both times. And so well, I, I've never liked you, Lloyd. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've, we've got work to do on the diplomatic side. Lloyd, how are things going for you? Alarmingly well. I suspect it's going to all come crumbling down. I would like to remind everyone, Fulham is in the lead. Everyone should get France. <laughs> Lloyd's sitting on a fistful of treasures, by the way. Worthless treasures. Him to extend Shiny glass. Shiny again glass. and again. So everyone's eyes are on him. Puria, England. You are the Virgin Queen. How's it going? I'm still a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> I am also a little lost. I've got my own little island to myself. I have no idea how to get it off it. And beyond the odd spot of piracy here or there. Not, he's, yeah. obviously, he's also ticking along very nicely by yeah. not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scoring points here, scoring points there. Four yeah. bonus, five bonus five points already. England has a lot of it. Uh, no enemies and no friends is what they're doing. <laughs> Hoovering points as they go. This is how Prairie wins all games. I'm basically Switzerland. So, going to the current Virgin Queen expert, full on. Paul, what's going on? So, yes, I'm in the lead, basically, by accident. I've kind of been chipping away at the bonus points, but I don't have much of a plan beyond that. France is looking very bereft of any sort of military power. I think as soon as someone decides to, they can just walk through it and take me out of the game. I'm hoping to sort of just keep chipping away at the bonus points. I don't see at the moment much more to do. I might try and build up a navy to protect me from when Puria decides to turn on me. 
I like how guarded this whole conversation is. <laughs> oh, I haven't really got a plan. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Rachel, how are you Roman Empire? I feel like I haven't actually achieved much. I think part of that was because I was relying on Lloyd to do something, which I did my actions <laughs> to start with, which would allow me to take advantage, but think, he did not play the cards. Therefore, of, of, I might have got a bit of revenge. I think a bit of impartial, <laughs> yeah. uh, impartial verification is uh, not didn't play the cards at the point where you got fed up with waiting and did something nasty. I had to no him. cards left to play. I yeah, he did wait till the add. very end of the turn, so... I believe our deal was I would play the card. <laughs> our deal was not I would play the card and first. of course, that's you paid the penalty for that behaviour. <laughs> As a consequence, and I believe you have an Ottoman army on your borders. Ah, yes, I do. Uh, but go get him, Sean. Sean likes me, so we might come to some agreement. Well, yeah, the negotiation <laughs> phase is coming, Lord. You're not doing yourself any favours. <laughs> Sean's new favourite phase. I've got bad days. As long as everybody else is going to take you down, I don't mind being friends with you. So, as the Protestants, I'm finally on the board, as I just said to you guys. We're all a bit confused as to what I'm supposed to be doing on the map. <laughs> I guess I should be doing more conversions. I turned a few spaces Protestant, and now most of them have turned back to Catholic again. I've got a small foothold. I'm not too sure where to go from here. I sound like I'm saying everyone else is doing, being guarded. I feel like they're quite tricky to play, but I'm going to keep plugging away, keep trying to flip these counters over, and see if I can move the Protestant space market down a bit, because... Looking far too Catholic around here for my liking. I think as as Spain, France and I have had a little bit of difficulty working out how to deal with the Protestants, as you spent most of the game not being on the board. On <laughs> <I'm> ninja Protestants. <laughs> yeah, really hard to find Protestants to track down and kill when they just don't exist anywhere in Europe. <laughs> We've all been hiding. Everyone feel like they're getting the hang of the rules yet? No. No. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think we are. I think we've got most of the dice rolls kind of down. The ones that happen regularly, like the science stuff. The strategy and tactics on it are a complete. We mystery. did forget how to build units about yeah, ten did. minutes ago. No one's done it. Really, it's like a turn and a half. Well, I feel like I know the rules, and then Ronan leaves the room, and then I don't. That's <laughs> it. When Ronan leaves the room, everyone's eyes kind of go wide. Oh my god, what are we doing? Panic! Panic! <laughs> right. Everyone's still friendly at the moment, so it can't be got too serious. You can't be too close to winning. I don't know, Sean has given me some looks. <laughs> oh, if we'll I don't win on the board, I'll win off it. <laughs> <laughs> Do your belt back up. <laughs> right, speed tea again soon. Poirier here. I have drawn all my intelligence cards. And I have also had a declaration of war from France. So I think the tactics are to drain all his cards as quickly as I can, and then see if I can take over Scotland. Hey, it's Ronan. I'm back again. Just a quick one here. What's really funny is that the diplomacy phase negotiation has been going different swings and roundabouts. In terms of marriages, there are fewer female royals available than there are male royals. And suddenly, Rachel as the Holy Roman Empire drew two females, and she was the most popular person so far in this game. There were people all over her, marry me for this, marry me for that, here's a deal, take a card. Very funny the way that went. I'm not sure she used it to the maximum. I think she could have got a bit more out of people, a few cards and stuff, because they were desperate to marry. One huge thing that just happened, Lloyd and Fulon as Spain and France are way in the lead at the moment. They've just done a huge deal. They agreed to two marriages between them because Lloyd happened to pull out an event card which adds a female rule available for marriage. It's Louise of Lorraine. So he was in a very strong power. He's done it with full on. He's taken three cards from it. 
which means that Paul, as Franz, is going to score lots of points this turn for his marriages, but he's going to have fewer actions to take, which makes him vulnerable. I'm thinking maybe I might move in there with my Huguenots now that I know he's having a weak turn. But Lloyd has got five treasures from last turn. He also has lots of cards from Fulham, which means he has set himself up for a huge turn this time. I'm wondering what he's going to do to come back at Paul for the advantage that he's handed him with victory points. This is going to be interesting. This could be the start of my moving into France. Let's see how it goes. So, Lloyd here, um, Spanish player, turn 3 update. It probably hasn't been mentioned by anyone else, so I thought I'd come in and just uh, let everybody know that there were a couple of marriage proposals, deals made between France and Spain, which basically resulted in all of our young eligible people hooking up for wonderful mutual benefit, and much to the complaints of everybody else at the table. France and Spain are basically going for an all-in strategy, where we paint massive targets on our back and hope for the best. Let's see how it works out. Lloyd here from Spain again with just a, a quick update. One of the things we have done this turn is the marriages between Spain and France has put France four points ahead of anybody else uh, as everything currently stands. Part of that deal was that I as Spain took a lot of cards off of France and France also declared war against England which was part of our plan though not a binding part of it obviously. What I'm hoping will come out of this turn is that Paul as France will wage heavily into battle against England and then his turn will end prematurely because he now has so few cards in hand, allowing England then to get plenty of revenge and whittle him back down, bring him back into the pack. And as possible, I might be able to make a sneak victory, if that all works out. Hi, Sean here again. So, it transpires that Spain and France are in alliance. They've formed a super alliance, and now it's kind of the rest of us against them. It's looking like Fulham could even win on this turn. For myself, I have decided to form an alliance of sorts with the Holy Roman Empire. I have moved out of an area that the Holy Roman Empire would like, and they will be moving in. And we're going to both try and attack Spain, and then eventually into France. But it's a long game, and the game might actually be over before we get a chance. I can't believe outrageous alliance with Spain and France. They're basically trying to nullify the rest of the map and decide it between the two of them. And they're almost there, so hopefully we can stop them, but let's see. Hi, Frontier. I might have made a massive error. As you probably heard from a number of people, Lloyd has agreed to marry two of my guys, give me two more points, which people seem to think is massively in my favour. Probably isn't. Stupidly, I, uh, I spent three points of my remaining few points to go to war with Puria for no reason. So that might uh, lose me the game. So yeah, I'm an idiot. I've got no points to spend. I've got nothing to do. I think I'm just going to get annihilated later this turn. Quick update here from uh, Lloyd playing Spain. Since I believe turn two, I have had, no it may have, actually sorry, I think turn one, I have had a War in Persia card. This card essentially forces the Ottoman player to remove up to eight armies and the board. Sean, the Ottoman player, knows I had this and knows that I've retained it from round to round. And so though we are still technically at war, it is keeping him entirely pacified and allowing him to focus on other things and leave my eastern flank entirely alone. It's working very well for me. I'm not sure it's making it much fun for him. Right, Poria here playing. It's crunch time. I either take on Paul in Scotland or I move out my navy and try and take Normandy. He's only got one card left, and I have three, so hopefully that'll be enough. Let's see how it goes. Hi, this is Rachel from the Holy Roman Empire. I am just finished my 
character, I forgot some of my <laughs> some of the things I'd negotiated, which lost me things that would be very useful. Uh, on the other hand, things are looking okay. I uh, haven't done that great against Spain so far, but kicked things off um, with a war declaration. Took, attacked the capital, and then Lloyd disrupted my supply line. So I will learn from that in the future. I am now just waiting for the end of this turn. Hey, it's Ronan's the Protestants. We're halfway through turn three. Things are looking quite difficult. With the rise of France and Spain, and they're working well together, the two major Catholic powers are on the ascent. So every time I try and do something or spread out, they're able to discuss with each other, plan, move back in. I've just started the Huguenots down in France. It feels like it's a bit late to do it in turn three. I think it's part of learning how to play the game, but it's definitely put me at a disadvantage. I've just got them in one space. I then had not set up the Protestant spaces correctly, so I couldn't flip as many as I should have done when I did the Rebellion, so that was my poor play. I really need to study the map, get some more spaces flipped as Protestant. I think Puri has been slightly distracted. He is playing well. He's taken Portugal, which means he's going to get their treasures. He's also only two square key areas away from winning the game. Looks like he's massing to take Edinburgh, which will give him one of those. So I think he's so focused on going for his own military win that he's not too fussed about the Protestant-Catholic war, and he's my main Protestant ally. Rachel hasn't really been getting involved either way. I think her, as the Holy Roman Empire, may have chosen the neutral route, so she doesn't care what's happened with Catholic Protestants. I've been a little bit up against the two strongest powers in the game. I am torn between doing some periphery things to score some points, because I'm not scoring any bonus points at all in the game so far, or really knuckling down on this religious conversion. The other thing I feel, though, is if I knuckle down on the religious conversion, I'm going to distract France and Spain from what they want to do, but at my cost... And then Puria, who isn't really helping the Protestant, is then going to have his chance to win the game. I'm really feeling like whatever I push in which direction is going to support one of these, but I think I'm going to have to hit out some conversion attempts to Protestantism now, try to stop Lloyd and Paul in their tracks because they're running away with it at the moment, and really give them something else to think about. We'll see how this goes. Hi, Sean here again, and my thoughts so far. Well, my thoughts for the Ottomans are, they start off, pretty strong with a really strong leader uh, loads of troops on the board and I think the key is to get out be really aggressive from the start find one route and then just really hammer it I didn't do that and now what I'm facing is a nation in decline the leaders change and they get progressively worse as they go so I feel like I've kind of missed the boat in terms of what I had to do as the Ottomans it's also probably the least enjoyable to play on the board because they don't take part in a lot of it. They can negotiate with Spain and the Holy Roman Empire to a degree but they don't take part in marriages, they can't take mercenaries so there's a lot of the game that I feel the Ottoman players are missing out on. I want to see how it goes, I'm trying to now attack the Venetians and see how that works out for me, see if I can eke some points through that maybe eke some points through scientists and artists, but I think, really, I've missed the boat in terms of having any chance of winning the game or deciding who's going to win the game. So it's a very interesting game. I'm not so sure that the Ottomans are the most interesting part of it, or certainly the way I've played them. Right. Puri here from England, and I have gone into France. The situation is Paul has no cards, no way to defend, so I think it's uh, stirred up a bit of a resistance from Ronin, but we'll see what happens there. Hi, France here. Big news. I was doomed. I'd left myself really undefended. Puria was there with an army of five guys against a completely undefended city. 
thankfully he's totally failed to roll any successful hits, which means that at the end of the turn, which is in a couple of cards' time, all of his troops will go back home with their tails between their legs, and I'll get to hopefully manically reinforce it before he tries again next turn. France is still alive. I can't believe it. Five troops, not a single hit. I would have taken a key, I would have taken out his whole armada of ships, and I would have been one token away from winning. So now everyone knows what I'm doing, everyone's going to pick on me next turn, and I'm basically stuffed, which means Lloyds will win. Very annoying. Hey, it's Ronan. We're at the start of turn four. I don't really know what's going on, to be honest here. It looks like England, France and Spain are all in it. Fulham has scored a lot of bonus points as France. Spain have got lots of power, but they really have got too many targets at the moment. They're fighting me in the Netherlands. They're having to fight England in England. He's done a lot of religious conversion in there. I think he might be looking for a Catholic rebellion, which will allow the gunpowder plot to be successful, which gives him instant win. And Puri is right in there with it. He didn't manage to take that key, as I'm sure they both told you after the last battle. But he's still only a couple of moves away from victory. It's really exciting. It's really interesting. Uh, the one power I think Holy Roman Empire seemed to be a little bit on the edge of things. I'm wondering what her plan is, where she's going to go. She hasn't got much of a naval presence. She seems to be pinned between different powers. She can't really attack me. I feel like maybe if she tried to march into France, but, they're not, but that's probably quite biased because I'd like her to do that as well. But she can get extra points for being in there, I suppose, take some keys interesting to see because now it's really developing at the end of turn four is the first time we can have a domination victory if someone's five points ahead which would put Paul as France pretty close to doing that oh I tell you what things are heating up let's see how this goes for myself I think I just have to get as many Protestant spaces out as possible I really feel militarily weak so I try not to make myself too much of a target for military I hope they all fight each other but the minute I start getting too many spaces out they start turning their attention on me and I don't seem strong enough to be able to fight back Again, maybe I'm just moaning a bit here. I'm finding it tough to be the president, but this game is it's really developing. It's getting really interesting now. Right, Puria here, playing England. We are in the negotiations for the diplomatic phase, and suddenly it's world peace, and everyone has stopped their wars with each other, which is feeling a little bit threatening. I'm bracing myself for quite a harsh turn. So a quick turn four update from Lloyd playing the Spanish. I have ended my wars with everybody, so I am now at peace with the Ottomans, I am now at peace with the Holy Roman Empire, I am now at peace with the Protestants, my natural enemies. I have formed an alliance with the French, who are tied for the current lead, or I think possibly one point ahead of England, both of whom are threatening to win this turn. The hope being there that that will attract everybody else to attack the French, the risk of me attacking the English, but I actually don't intend to do that, as Ronan should be causing them some issues anyway. Hi, Sean again, and we are deep into round four, and negotiations and discussions are ongoing. We've got lots of rules queries going. Lloyd has the Spanish Armada out, lots of rules questions around that. It's getting very tasty. War has been declared by the Spanish on the English, and by the Holy Roman Empire on the French. There's been a lot of peace declared as well. My Ottomans are now at war with only Venice and I'm trying to take the only Venetian key space. I'm still working my way towards that. It's proving quite difficult. 
but hopefully I'll get there. The Protestants aren't doing so well now. There seem to be a lot of Catholic spaces popping up and England is now nearly completely Catholic. That's the way we are at the moment. Rachel here from the Holy Empire. I have been waiting for ages to have a go. In fact, I haven't had a go in about three quarters of an hour. <laughs> Things have been interesting. I come to an agreement with Spain and the Ottoman Empire, so I have given up my warlike tendencies with them and have instead declared war on France to try and take some of his lead away. I have positioned my troops accordingly and I am still waiting to attack him. It's been a while. There, so far, there's been a lot of fighting between Spain and England involving a lot of dice. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. I'm sure you'll hear more from them. Poirier for England. I can only assume Lloyd has used the word that was bullshit at some point. He has built his armada, used some cheeky card to reset turn order, basically take two turns in a row, sail all the way over to England and invade. I have with the desperate use of a 5 plus treasure and a 5 card just about managed to destroy his land troops and then take out half his armada but that's cost us both very dearly which I suspect is going to put everyone else on a better footing. Turn 4 update, this is Lloyd playing Spain. This turn I had first outing of the Spanish armada which I used entirely just to rush in and take a small part of England. I think I landed and captured Plymouth. In the resulting retaliation from England, I lost Plymouth, I lost almost all of the Armada and all of its supporting ships. All of that is absolutely fine. I pretty much anticipated that. What I was intending to do was distract Puria from my intentions next turn, which is to go all in on a gunpowder plot attempt, which essentially roll, involves rolling a bucket full of dice and hoping for the best for an instant win. So we'll be back probably in about an hour to find out whether that worked or not. Hi, it's Paul, it's the increasingly weary French. I've just found the first sort of a bit broken card in the game that allowed Lloyd to reset the turn order. Not overpowerful or anything, but just meant that the three people on my side of the table spent 45 minutes watching people take turns and not, not getting to do anything. Anyway, after all that ended in a sort of very bloody but ineffectual sea battle between England and Spain, I was attacked by the Holy Roman Empire but managed to valiantly fight it off. I think I'm still doing just about okay, but it's very. I think at the moment it's down to whether I've managed to see out the turn and, and claw a few more points ahead. It's a little bit close to the wire at the moment. So, I don't know if any of the other guys or girls have talked about it, but just had a monster session where only two or three people got to play. There was a part of the game where actually full-on Rachel and Ronan didn't take part in the game in any meaningful way for 45 minutes. That's a big stretch of time to be seen watching the game. I suppose that's going to be a minor criticism of the game. But, so far, it's still holding everybody's attention. So, that's got to be a plus. So, so what have we got at the moment? I am besieging the Venetian key space. Rachel and the Holy Roman Empire have attacked French-held Metz. And they have failed so far. But they're going to have another crack, I believe. And that's where we are at the moment. Lloyd playing Spain, just checking in for a quick turn 4 update. We are seven and a half hours in and on turn 4, and quite a few people at the table are flagging badly. Other than that, not too bad. Pura and I have fun. France here. I think I've had one more turn since last spoke to you, and I made a failed attempt to assassinate one of Ronan's things. I've got a bit bored, to be honest. Seems like we're sort of grinding towards a finish. I suspect that because I've currently got the most points, that it's going to be a bit of a, a case of bash the leader and then someone else is going to nick it. At the moment, Rachel's two cities off winning and none of the other players seem to be particularly worried about taking her out. I wouldn't be surprised if she uh, comes up on the rails to take it. I was having fun we for a bit. For <laughs> we love you, even if you 
hate this game right now. I was having fun for a bit, but I've got bored about an hour ago. <laughs> France out. <laughs> right, Corey here, and I think a general sense of despair has set in as we approach the end of the round. It's taking ages. Hey, Sean here again, and the game continues to go, and it's just a super long fourth round going on. If I'm honest, <laughs> the interest now is starting to fade for me. I'm kind of watching the game go on around me. I'm not getting any cards into my hand that are above two or three command points. Therefore, my actions and my turns are lasting 30 seconds, because I know exactly what I need to do or don't need to do. Everyone else is getting involved in ding-dong battles and intrigue and assassination attempts and I just feel the game's going on around me and I'm not actually taking part now so while it was interesting for a little while I think it's now becoming quite boring but I think with another faction you know, it would be a much more interesting game because I'd be in the thick. I'm reaping the rewards of that poor start. It's the happy, happy French uh, is still rolling on because of the card I mentioned earlier where one half of the table took a load of turns in a row, the, the other half of the table is now taking a load of turns in a row. So it's been about three hours since we were sort of having regular goes. Maybe that's a bit of exaggeration, maybe an hour and a half. It's an interesting game, there's lots going on. Really complicated, I'm not sure that it's worth the rules overhead yet. It's a shame it's six player because I think it drags it out without really adding anything. I haven't interacted with or cared about anything Sean's done all game, and I think he'd probably say the same about me. Likewise, Perrier and Sean. I just don't think that the sort of fifth and sixth player really add much, apart from downtime. I'm still looking just about okay. I'm in a much weaker position than I was. Both my leaders are dead, but I think, unless something's happened while I'm out of the room, I'm still going to be ticking over points. Maybe get another couple, but other people are catching up quickly. I think my opportunity to win by five has gone. It's ten to ten, and we were originally going to be stopping now, but I think we'll probably go for another about half an hour. It may well time out at that stage. So, it is now ten o'clock in the evening. We started our second rules explanation at 11.30 this morning, after all of us spending three hours playing a learning game. I think I've spent about two months of the last two months playing Virgin Queen. We managed to get four turns out of seven into the game, but this was our agreed finish time, and the minimum of four turns to have a valid victory. And you are about to hear from your victor. Bonjour. <laughs> and that's it, that's all he's allowed to say. <laughs> Paul was able to win as France, he ended up on 20 points, it was very close. Puria as England, and Rachel as the Holy Roman Empire, ended up on 18 points. Sean was next, 16 points as the Ottomans. And then Lloyd was on 15 points, as was I as the Protestants, but Lloyd has more to say about this issue. Well, I think I'll start off there as the winner. I think it's fair to say that I am a temporary winner. I think if we'd gone any further, I was in such tatters. My leaders were dead. Paris was there for the taking, and um, yeah, one more turn, and I don't know who would have won, but it definitely wasn't me. Yeah, I had managed to eliminate Paul's leader in Paris, which meant it was kind of wide open. I was certainly closing in on it. I know that Rachel had some ideas towards it. However, Lloyd was right on the brink of causing a gunpowder plot in England. He had a decent role for it. Lloyd, you want to tell us the situation? No. <laughs> Not that he's bitter. So we've gone, what, four turns, who knows how many actions, what, it feels like hundreds of actions, I'm sure it's not. Had we gone two actions more, I think I was in with a very, very high chance of winning. 
<laughs> so Lloyd got a chance Victoria. to attack. <laughs> Lloyd got a chance to attack Puria with espionage. He had, I think, five more dice than Puria to roll. Eleven dice. Eleven against six. If he had four more hits, which is five or a six on there, it would have been a successful gunpowder plot, and the Catholics would have taken over England, and that's an instant win for Spain. So we haven't heard from our two people who finished second. Puria, what was your plan? How was it going? Were you going to win on the next turn? No. I could pr- no. <laughs> <laughs> you were close to winning a while ago by getting the two extra key spaces you needed. What yeah. happened? I think my key turn of luck was when I didn't take that space in France because mainly a that would have destroyed completely the vast. Puri is of- pointing to the map, by the way, which doesn't help. <laughs> he is, he is talking about Calais. For the sake of the team, is pointing. This is future Ronan here. Puri is pointing to Calais. Uh, no, but that would have left me a chance to continue the war with France, get my two key locations and win. But after that not happening, I was basically the mercy of everyone else who now chose to pick and up you, me. So. You did surprise me at that point, just abandon all hope and very quickly decide that we were allied and you weren't going to bother, which I, I thought was a strange decision, I've got to say, because it meant that you were looking your keys in, in Spain, which was a long way away. Yeah, that made it maybe not the best choice. Puri definitely made himself a target by being that two away from victory. We all noticed suddenly it was a bit of a scare. And then there was a situation where we all got worried about Paul and Puria, and the other four of us, I think, colluded horribly to cancel all our other wars and then turn around. And so Lloyd sent his Armada over to England to distract Puria from winning. And myself and Rachel did a kind of a strange pincer movement to try and attack Paul to slow them down. So Can we had hamstrung the two of them. Well, and let, let's just quickly review that bit. My job was to stop Puria winning. <laughs> <laughs> Your collective job was to stop Paul winning. We were stopping him from winning. He was less in the lead than previously. <laughs> Rachel, you were also second. What was your plan going forward from here? I think I was very well positioned with regards to taking out Paul um, in a couple of prime locations. The nearest location, which was Metz, I was prepared to attack and destroy it and then just go straight on into the rest of France. Rachel had, had spent about eight years trying to take Metz at this stage, but she's still <laughs> confident that it was going to fall just about to go. I only needed, I only needed two more of my command squaring things. <laughs> that, that is, that is understanding after the nine hours of doing it that's the level of understanding we've reached we are I, am, the same I am confident that I would have been able to win the like, next round I should also point out that if I had got around the world and hadn't been destroyed <laughs> in that last tiny home run then I would have had that extra two points and full-on would have been down at least one. Yeah, I think... Um, <laughs> Which would have put me in the lead. As I said right at the beginning, turn one after I'd managed it, and my personal victory condition was circumnavigating the globe first. It actually turned out to be the victory condition. <laughs> <laughs> she was killed by dolphins. I do feel a little bit screwed. <laughs> okay, we haven't heard from the next man who was in fourth place. He's looking happy. <laughs> I think he was fully integrated all the way through in all the oh, European religious yeah. struggles. Big fella. <laughs> I've I've said it on the uh, on the tape before, but uh, I just didn't feel part of the game. A bad first turn, or poorly played first turn, and I didn't have a lot to do. I felt on the periphery of the game. And Lloyd summed it up very well. You were playing a half an hour game in an eight hour game. <laughs> I was playing all my turns were thirty seconds. They were they were easy. I was going uh, sponsoring artists and scientists and 
my one war which is more fun than it sounds let's just point sounds out that he has is. the Ottoman Empire which are the war empire in, in Sean's defense, <laughs> and he's taken the decision to do science <laughs> and art in Sean's defence he said he played badly I think what it was is we, we ran our two navies into each other and my dad were luckier than his and once he lost his navy he was never in a position to challenge anything in the Mediterranean and for a game that's, that's so much about the diplomacy and the marriages to have one player who just cannot do that is I think a weird design decision yeah, not like, even be able to take mercenaries and as these cards come out or my leader cards I get progressively worse yeah. so I really do need to make a massively good start I mean, logically, because you otherwise be I'm on go... the back foot okay I will say one thing what we found is that there are certain key roles of dice in the game and from one battle like in the Mediterranean for such a long, long game where there's a lot of thinking and planning and reacting, it feels like a massive game of Lords of Vegas in that, wow, it's down to 11 dice against 10 dice, someone gets lucky, boom, huge strategic advantage. And it not only gives an advantage there and then, it gives an advantage then in negotiations and it's in the perceived threat as well. It's not just, I could do this, but there are probably five or six things I might do. You have to defend in some way against them all, which really then starts affecting your decisions going forward. Okay, let's ask the table. How was it learning and playing our first game of Virgin Queen together? Starting with Sean. <laughs> I was I was honestly enjoying it for three of the four turns. I even just watching what was going around me. I was doing most of the fighting in the first three turns, so that was obviously of interest. Lots of dice rolling, but if I fought my own. After then, I just wasn't getting any any sort of cards to do any command points. I just felt on the edge of things and. That fourth turn, I think we've got different opinions. I think it was around about the sort of an hour and 45 minutes mark, that fourth turn. About 45 minutes into it, I was actually starting to get bored. I wasn't involved in any of the interesting things that were happening over the other side of the map. So, yeah, I'd love to play it as one of the Central European or the or towards the West or the English and see how it plays out then. For the Ottomans, I think Rachel nailed it. They're the warlike race and if they're not fighting they're not really doing much else and i wasn't fighting because lloyd just completely ruled me out sean turned the ottomans into greengrocers <laughs> <laughs> i turned them into artists and scientists. sean really needed to own the ocean earlier sean did make the best art in the game <laughs> that's, well, that's nice to think of he's a militarist lloyd how was learning and playing your first so the first question how was it learning the game i'm not sure that i have <laughs> um, having sat here for all of the hours that we've sat here I feel like I probably honestly know maybe 20% of the rules that's probably optimistic I, I feel like I understand the marriage table I feel like I understand the patronage table I used that once Nice. everything on the board it's I've got this to Europe I understand it's Europe I know that much <laughs> you probably can't go off one edge and come in the other there's nothing <laughs> It's nothing intuitive, like the assassination hey. thing. I wouldn't have a clue. Obviously, I didn't take part in any assassinations, but I wouldn't have a clue how you go about assassinations. Ronan, every time you had to pick up the book and go, right, you roll dice for this, and dice for that, and dice for that, oh, and, and three for that, and he roll, and every single and time that happened, that it just was, wasn't intuitive at that all. That was annoying, Ronan. Rightly so, because... You know, you want to play a game, you don't want to Yeah, it's read impossible for him to put a plan game. together because every and for 10 seconds else, it's a massive disconnect. It's hard to then put a coherent strategy together because every 
single step of your strategy, you're then stopping and thinking and going, what do I have to do? What are the implications? And because you don't understand, it's hard to then make a flow of your whole turn. Yeah. You're kind of playing a card for one thing. But okay. that's the point, because the implications are so potentially, you know, they can impact not just that round, but a couple of rounds, yeah. which means you can't afford to just say, it doesn't matter, I won't bother reading. I have to know what that means. There's an exception to every single rule virtually. So you sit there going, right, I remember the base rule, and now I don't remember the exception because we went through all of them in the beginning and I've forgotten all of them. It took two and a half hours just for me to go through the exceptions of rules. Now, the reason we did it and it was boring and everyone was getting restless and I fully understand why, but just have some idea of the exceptions in there, some sort of inkling in the back of your mind because you think you can do something and you can't and you think this has an impact but it doesn't and actually they get three extra dice which completely changes it. And I know that we've, we've spoken a lot about the front rules version of this, but I think it's worth touching on again. As Lloyd rightly pointed out, we're going to need at least half an hour, 45 minutes, I would have thought, of refresher, unless we're doing it next week. Uh, but the, the thing is, with the exceptions, is even though I spent that long learning it, and I was the one going through the exceptions, I was yeah. still looking up almost every rules yeah. question. I think to play the game smoothly, you have to have somebody that knows the game perfectly inside out. And that would be so... How many games would you no, have to play? I bet that you stage? what it is, is anyone who plays GMT that. games, plays Here I Stand, then plays this, and only needs... You know, yeah, I think there's going to be layers of learning. I think if we yeah. sit down and play it again, I hope we do, because I did really enjoy today, even though it was the struggle we thought it was going to be. I think then there's going to be a certain base layer where we've got 40 or 50% of the rules down, and then we'll add another 10 or 20 to the next play, and so on and so forth. And then I think also playing other powers will make you more aware of certain things, because yeah. they can do different stuff. So when I started doing things like preach sermons or rebellions, for example, Sean or Rachel didn't care. Because it yeah. doesn't affect their power, so they've got sure, no interest. literally cannot do that. Yes, and neither can Rachel. She has no religious action, so she just doesn't guess. So that's not going to stick. So some of the things that happen on the board, she doesn't get the implications off. In fact, to be honest, I don't get the implications off, but even more so, because they're just not related to them. But I think once you've played the other powers, you can then see and say, okay, that puts such and such under threat, and that puts this and that under threat, so then I can react to that. Mm. Rachel, so, how was learning the game? Uh, like Lloyd, I think I... Remember about 10, 20% of the rules. I definitely know absolutely nothing about naval battles or piracy or anything like that because my ship died early, or rather, my captain did. I also think it's a bit peculiar that the Holy Roman Empire have white Protestant spaces on the board when actually they're not counting towards anything. We think. We think. <laughs> we still don't know because there's nowhere in the rules that it's Two been. months in and I don't know. <laughs> we couldn't find anything. I think it's, it's possible, isn't it, that that's one of the other scenarios. It, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, only Ed Beach knows and even then, maybe. All right. The other thing I wanted to say was being the Holy Roman Empire... I did get quite a few cards that would allow me to convert to Protestants or Catholics, but I didn't know whether I should ever use them or not, because it wasn't very clear. If I did it, I'd be like, might be giving something away. So I chose... I'm, I'm going to cut in here for a second before Rachel reveals anything, and we're going to pause recording for a second, because we may have no, miscounted the score. Recording. Are we going to do it live? It won't. We've just realised we have not revealed the preference. Rachel says it Rachel won't. has not revealed her religious preference. It's Protestant. Zero points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Move on, no drama here. <laughs> so just the other thing to, I was going to say. <laughs> I, my heart was in my mouth. <laughs> I thought I'd lost the game. Just to, just to change uh, tack slightly, I just want to go back to the actual game, Lloyd. There was that card that you played that reversed the turn order. I uh, suspect that has probably been mentioned quite a bit. Yeah, it? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where I think uh, Paul, Rachel and Ronan actually spent 45 minutes not playing the yeah, game. Yeah, but that, it, that's, that's a horrific card in any game. It was I mean, worse a game than like that, this. 
infinitely just terrible. We spent 45 minutes whilst you guys were running through your turns twice, and then you burn all your cards. So at least two of you then spent 45 minutes exactly, doing yeah. nothing while we did something. And yeah. he has, basically with the use of one card, been able to build a martyr, build an army, yeah. send it all the way to the... God, the fight never ends. <laughs> <laughs> it went on forever. There's probably an hour of podcast I don't speak in because I just fell asleep. Or Perry and Lloyd tittered around in the English channel. Right. Going back to Ronan's question about how I actually thought playing the game, I was involved in almost everything. There were two battles. There was the Siege of Mets that went on forever, and there was the glorious Siege of an Empty Calais that was <laughs> Which was unsuccessful. Those were the only two battles. That was a myth, that battle. <laughs> Those were the only two I battles was a that I wasn't involved in. back on his fleet full of wine so and I was in wine. every took, single other battle. I oh, possibly, sorry, there were three. Okay, there was Buddha as well. So there were three and battles then, I wasn't involved in. I was in every other battle in the game. <laughs> so I felt like I was involved in everything I rolled probably 60% of the dice in the entire game and yet I still don't feel I've particularly interacted with half the people here how did you come last? he was the most, <laughs> most hated because we didn't take two more actions <laughs> okay I'm going to ask you two more questions guys moving on Sean how would you play your power next time? well I think I've already touched on it I think I'm a war race and I start off strongly and my my power gets weaker as the game goes on in terms of cards drawn so I have to hit that early get into foreign space whether it be Spain or the Holy Roman Empire and really just cause some havoc and, and get a foothold in one of those by not doing that I just ruled myself out of the game I've been thinking about you guys as well you've got cavalry instead of mercenaries and cavalry are good at moving and preventing people from running away maybe the chance of moving there and not taking fortified spaces and causing a bit of rampage through there unrest and what have you Golden Horde sort of thing maybe yeah anyway. I think unrest is something that we underuse I think it would be you have to go one way or the other you either go through the land yeah or you go at sea and you make an agreement with whoever's in... Yeah, I, and I didn't know that. I, I started pirating Lloyd's Spanish islands, but I didn't do any attacking. I didn't move troops around. I Yeah, I did nothing in that first go, and it really, really hampered me, and it ruined the game for me. Sean's really. plan next time is be more competent. <laughs> well, I think Lloyd, lucky with dice. you guess. will play two more turns next time. We know what your answer is. Louis, well, would you do anything different in Spain? I don't think I would. Then? I think everything I was doing was working out. I was getting lots of treasures every turn, not having to do a huge amount to defend them. I was in all of the land I wanted to be in. I was causing enough of an aggravation to the other players to keep them roughly in check. Obviously, depending on how other people played their nations, I might have to react. But basically, I feel like I had the right approach with Spain. Puria, what would you do different next time to win England? do a lot more piracy from the beginning at least for two three turns just as part of my main actions also i did right at the beginning have some key cards i should have kept both against the marder and also the rebellion and i kind of felt the temptation of using them for the points so i think next time i'd be slightly more selective in actually holding back those cards and not spending them. In fairness to Puria, he gets five sea captains throughout the whole course of the game. Now, he only gets one in turn one, and then they come out one in turn three, one in turn four, and two in turn five. So his sea presence would have got much more powerful. He would have been doing more piracy as the game went on, and that sort of English piracy against Spain would have kicked in. I think, obviously, because we've only played four turns out of seven, we've missed some of the development. When it comes down to me, I'm going to mention, I think I get militarily stronger as the game goes on. But anyway, Paul, you did win. So, is there anything else you think you'd do differently? I don't know, I think I started well on that first turn, I kind of went in with a plan to sort of mop up all the extra bonus points that can be taken away from me, and that went quite well. So, almost the opposite to Puria, I started out with a load of captains, but once they started to die off, I really 
was then limited in the amount of extra bonus victory points I could have won. I mean, France are meant to be the easy ones to play, so obviously did something not quite right. I think once people realise you're winning, it's hard to ever get that five-point lead you need to instantly win. And I think for France, that's how you do it. I can't see them getting a military victory or doing anything else. Well, I think one of the comments we had when we first began was, Lloyd said, off-air, what is the chance of this game being fully balanced? It's got to be zero, with all the exceptions, all the special rules. And I think the general answer was, it self-balances. Yeah. Well, you balance as a table. If someone's getting ahead, you then turn around and attack them. And that is, I think, clearly the case from this first game. But that does mean you need to sit back and build up yeah. enough of options in one turn that you can pounce. You're playing power grid here. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Being so. second. Because it is, I, in t- I don't know that I've fully answered that how did I enjoy playing it. I was, I was engaged for the first couple of turns. But certainly in that last turn, once it became clear that it was me versus the rest of the board and Lloyd was ignoring me, it stops being as fun because you do your turn and then you have half an hour of being bashed yeah. and then you get back to your turn and think, oh, I'm in a slightly worse position than I was half an hour ago. I think something interesting was, we, some of us mentioned it on the track, was that Lloyd and Paul were the ones in lead and they became allied. And then it suddenly became two against four. And then suddenly Puryear and Paul were in the lead. And then it became two against four. And if you're in the lead, possibly allying with someone else's lead makes you an even bigger target. Maybe then pulling someone up from behind and making them more of a target. You know, they go, oh, look at him, look at him, look at him. Rachel. I think generally I play to the Holy Roman Empire's strengths. I think I should have used my sea captain to better effect. I probably should have done some piracy to gain some victory points from that rather than just trying to circumnavigate the globe and die miserably. I do feel sorry for him. Gloriously. (laughs) (laughs) I think generally I just try to build up my troops. I was a bit unlucky in some of my dice rolling. The siege of Metz ongoing. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way it goes. And the siege is still going today. You've never had a massive dice advantage in that. No, I never. It's hard to though, because her leader only has eight. I think you might need to double up with your leaders, which will give you 14 troops and their seven dice rolling, plus your leader rating. Maybe that's the answer. But then if she does that, she's completely open on the other side. If the greengrocers from Ottomans decide <laughs> that they do want to kick in, absolutely. Okay, I probably opened wars on too many fronts at once. To be fair, I probably would try to come to an arrangement with one of the people around me next time. Having said that, you only ever had wars with one person at a time. I think. No, you nearly had Ottoman and Spain at the same time, but. Okay, so should, should have kept the Spanish on side. <laughs> Holy Roman Empire is the one power while we're playing. I didn't have a clue what they should be doing. They weren't involved in a religion, they were surrounded on all sides. It was hard for me to see how she was going to score points. Mm. She didn't have much piracy she could go and do. There seemed to be a bit of... Mm, they didn't do enough marriages But then either. she wasn't Oh, she was well connected to a lot of square spaces, though. Like, yes. for me, for example, sitting here, she was the one player I was happy to go and offer a fair trade with. It made no difference, yeah. made no difference. It was interesting. I did it on the track earlier, but when she got the two female rules came out, and she had her mercenaries, and she had something else, suddenly everyone was like, "Whoa!" We kind of ignored you for a while, but now we're in for diplomacy. As the Protestants, I've moaned all the way through that I found it hard to play, and I had nothing on the map. What I've ended up looking at my points, I actually scored the most points of anyone on the on the game. I've I've gone thirteen points ahead from where I started, which I think is more than anyone else did. So somehow I have ended up scoring points, and I'm still not entirely sure how. I have got only one bonus VP because I managed to assassinate <laughs> Paul's leader, which was good. So I'm feeling like maybe I should have patronised more or pirated more, but then I have very little presence on the map, so then I'm thinking I should have had more presence on the map as well. I, I I'm confused. The Protestants are definitely the most opaque group to play. There's no obvious way you should be leading with them, what you should be doing. 
I still have no idea what your win conditions are, and I've just sat watching you do it for nine hours. And I think I misused some of the conversions and rebellions, or I didn't use them to the best effect. I didn't link places together. No, I understand the religion is very, very important to Protestant. That might seem obvious, but I didn't understand it as well as I could have done. So, one more question before we wrap it up for this particular part. Everyone, do you want to play again? How eager are you? How much do you enjoy it? And what power would you like to play next time? Which of those sure. one questions are we answering? All of them. Uh, uh, yeah, I did enjoy it. As I said, I was, interest was waning towards the end, but that was my own fault. And I would definitely play it again. I would like to play as probably the English. I, felt, I thought they were quite interesting up in the corner there. Nice. Lloyd? I quite enjoyed it. I was involved in everything, pretty much, apart from knowing how people could win, which was a minor issue. Would I play again? Probably. I think Spain are the most interesting nation to play. So I'm not sure if I'd want to change away from that. But Paul and I did have a discussion away from the mic where we were talking about once you start getting ahead, you do just keep getting pummeled. And so it feels like the instant win conditions are the way to go because you can almost sneak that in. So I think if I did play again, I would only want to play with a nation who has an instant win condition. Cool. Poria, English? Did you enjoy it? I did, yeah. I would be very happy if someone rewrote the rules. (laughs) (laughs) You're free to. But now that we have put all this effort in, I think it would be a shame not to try the least. And despite all that, I still like it. But it's not because of it. So I really wish it had tidied up a little bit. And who would you like to be next time? I wouldn't mind, actually. I think I enjoy playing England. I can, you know, see what I would do if I did it again. But at the same time, I'd like to try something else. So, Okay. Paul? I'm not sure whether I'd play again. I think, like Lloyd, I think France were pretty interesting. You got to be involved in all of the aspects of the game, unlike Sean, who had been excluded from stuff by about halfway through the rules explanation. (laughs) But it got to sort of halfway through the third turn, and I kind of done with it. I don't know that that would have come back. I think you could start off by being one of the sort of powers sort of a bit more in the background and probably has a better end game. But then you spend the first half of the game doing nothing instead of the second, so... I don't know. I'd have to be convinced. I'd be quite happy to play a game. I actually disagree with Paul on that. I think that just because you're winning, the winner changes all the time and therefore everyone then like makes alliances to take out whoever's winning next. So I think probably I would have been one of the people everyone would be alliancing against next time. With regards to who I would play, I think it's easier to say who I wouldn't want to play, which would be the Ottoman Empire. And... The Protestants, because I just have no clue what the Protestants do. So I really enjoyed watching the game develop. I'm probably well invested in this, so I'm quite biased that it will be fun. Everyone will enjoy it. We will do this again. I kind, I did enjoy being the Protestants. It was interesting. I think I'd like to be the Protestants when everyone knew the rules better. And I think it's a very tough starting thing. I'll just keep on. Someone play a violin for me. <laughs> As to who I'd like to be. Well, I'd like to be Spain, because as Lloyd said, they're involved in everything. And also, I'd really like to give the Ottomans a go, just to see what you can do, just to see what space is there. The problem is, you're putting in hours and hours and hours just to test out a nation. It's not like, we can play for an hour, try a strategy, that didn't work, all right, try a different strategy this time around. So, I guess that's one of the issues with it. What I really want to see, I think we've missed out the meat of the game. I think, looking at the victory point track... There are five points between all the powers, between 15 and 20. I think we're all coming into our own. 
Although Paul was getting picked on in that turn because he looked powerful, it now looks like he's got difficulty in scoring more points. So I'm not sure people would continue picking on him. Well, I certainly want to go for I, Paris because that would yeah, give me points they would have, it. I think they would have done for another turn. And I, I think that would have been enough to take me completely out of the game. Once you've got Paris, I don't see me coming back. Again, I think France, as has been said, is militarily weak all the way through. And it's difficult because there's so many opportunities for points elsewhere that it's difficult to then start concentrating and building up your military. As to the other powers, obviously Lloyd had his Catholic rebellion going on. Puria was two keys away. Rachel was two keys away. I was building slowly. I still am not sure how, but I was building slowly some sort of position, which was interesting because as France crumbled, the Huguenots were becoming more powerful. But then as they became too powerful, the Catholic League would have formed, which means Spain would have come in, which I think obviously then sounds very difficult for France because Spain move into France and they take over and they kick it out. Yeah, France so, gains another enemy, doesn't it? Yeah, so I really want to play it again. Let's see what sort of leverage and negotiation phase we can have between these guys. Thanks everyone for joining us for this bit experiment for the game pick. Thank you for teaching. <laughs> Thank you very I much. I hope you all enjoyed yourselves to some degree. So, there we go. The monster edition of the Monster Game Virgin Queen. All summed up for you. We want to offer our thanks to... Lloyd, Puria, Paul and Rachel for joining us in this endeavour. Thank you so much. Thanks for your help with the episode. Thanks for recording for us. And thank you for not going too crazy during the length of that huge game. Thank you everyone for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our first battle report. As I said back in the intro a while ago now, please do get back to us with your feedback. Let us know what you think about this and the other formats we use. We will be back soon with another episode and coming soon is an episode on gaming journalism with some special guests which could be interesting. And as always we are very very proud members of the Dice Tower Network along with the very best in gaming podcasts. We're also proud members of 2d6.org and you can find us there with a host of audio, visual and written gaming goodness. You can find us at BoardGameGeek in our guild you can find us on twitter at game pit podcast we also have a facebook page and if you want to email us with questions or just want to chew the fat with us it's the game pit podcast at gmail.com music and-